0: Welcome to Concordia Journal Currents. I'm Professor Tony Cook, and I'm joined here today with Dr. Rick Mars, and we're going to be discussing a new book entitled, Counseling and Confession, The Role of Confession and Absolution in Pastoral Counseling. Welcome, Rick. Very good to be with you, Tony. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you could join us today. Why don't you just take a little time and uh, tell us where this book came from?
1: Yeah, yeah, because it's not actually a new book. Uh, Walter J. Kaler wrote this book in 1982 for Concordia Publishing House and then it went out of print. There was a decade or so of people that uh, pastors and others that read it and then it kind of fell into disuse and unfortunately uh, Pastor Kaler actually passed away in 2001, which was about the time that I discovered the book. I uh, came across a copy of it on a used bookshelf and read it and went, wow, this is really great. It was right at the time I was just becoming a pastor. Uh, I had been a psychologist and taught psychology and things like that before, uh, been a counselor uh, before that. But when I was age 40, I became, came to the seminary and became a pastor in my low 40s. And I came across this book about that time and went, this is great. And then found out it wasn't available anywhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I was called to come and teach here at Concordia Seminary as a professor, one of the first things I checked on was whether this could be available and was told, no, nope, it's out of print, it's not easily accessible. Uh, but just about a year ago, we got a uh, grant from uh, uh, Biblical Charity Institute, Biblical Charity Continuing Education Fund, And they were encouraging this, so we were able to reprint this book. And I've written a new five-page introduction to it to Mm. update some of the spots of it that were 30 years old by now. (laughs) And uh, Pastor Kaler, Dr. Kaler's uh, widow, was very enthusiastic about having it reprinted, so uh, it all came together very nicely.
0: Excellent. So, uh, individual or private confession and absolution, Uh, There might be somebody looking at this book or hearing us discuss this and think, well, is that something Lutherans do, or or is that something that's more Roman Catholic? You want to share a little bit about uh, the Lutheran uh, response or history to the use of it? It
1: it is one of those things that many Lutheran lay people don't realize is very much Lutheran. In fact, uh, what I like about the book, the first chapter is kind of, on Christian and pastoral counseling. The second chapter is just on our theology of individual confession and absolution Mm -hmm. and how frequently that comes up in the Book of Concord. There's actually a a couple of pages in there where he simply lists about eight or ten different references from the Book of Concord that uh, point out that Luther very much did believe, uh, in fact the one I like the best, Luther in the large catechism, he says, therefore when I urge you to go to confession, I am simply urging you to be a Christian. <laughs> and uh, again, it was very, very important to Luther and Lutherans. It was not just a Roman Catholic sort of practice. Unfortunately, as the centuries progressed, uh, Lutheran pastors in Europe weren't as enthusiastic about it as, as uh, Luther and the early Reformers were. And then when we came over here to the United States, uh, Lutheran pastors were often even less enthusiastic about preaching and teaching about it. Um, you know, they didn't want to be thought of as too Catholic, I think, was one of the primary things. There were issues of pietism that pietists thought that, that uh, confession absolution wasn't as important as just feeling your way towards your faith. And so uh, it fell into disuse, and so very few uh, actually did practice it. But there was always a core of a small percentage of Lutheran pastors that were promoting it. It's in the Catechism, it's mm-hmm. in the Book of Concord. So uh, we just need to be doing more to teach our seminarians that they can use it when they're out in the parish and to teach pastors that are already out there that there are many pastors that are practicing it. And I think this book is one of those that can help inform them but also get them excited about the practice of using individual confession and absolution.
0: I think uh, when I went to seminary, the, the history that was taught to me was that many times confession and absolution were connected with preparation for uh, the sacrament. Right. Um, but when, in, when I was a parish pastor in my ministry, I also used it um, as a form of counseling. And, and I know that uh, in many ways, this is what this book brings about is the connection between uh, counseling and the therapeutic nature right. um, uh, that we want to offer as well as uh, the confessional nature of confession and absolution. Now, uh, for those who, who might be listening to this that don't understand that connection, can you help us understand uh, how confession and absolution can be utilized in a therapeutic way from right. your background as a counselor?
1: Yeah, and I think this is what the book is is really good about. It helps keep confession unique and, and doesn't say it's equivalent to counseling, but it does say it can be useful in counseling. And again, I was a layperson, layman for 15 years doing counseling, and there were any number of times that I ran into clients that I knew their primary problem was guilt. Mm-hmm. And they'd had other counselors that had simply told them, oh, don't feel so guilty, it's, it's alright, what you did wasn't that bad, those sorts of things. And they were like going, no, I know that I'm objectively guilty before God. <laughs> I, I, I'm afraid in my relationship with God. What should I do with this guilt? And they weren't actually seeking out, you know, confessing their sin privately and then hearing the wondrous words of forgiveness, of of absolution that comes uh, through a pastor, either on Sunday mornings when we do it in, in our Lutheran circles in worship in a public way, but a lot of people, it's their sin is a greater burden for them and just hearing mm-hmm. it said publicly amongst a couple hundred other people doesn't help them feel it personally. Mm-hmm. And so actually going and having a pastor lay his hands on their head perhaps during the Confession and Absolution is a powerful additional source of comfort for them. And again, part of what I mean, Jesus says in a couple of different places in Scripture about how the keys have been given to the church. And mm-hmm. in John 21, uh, John 20, you know, uh, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven, whoever sins you do not forgive, they are not forgiven. Those are the biblical basis for why we Lutherans say that it's not just a church practice, but it's actually part of our biblical heritage. So mm-hmm. I like to tell people it's like, um, like medicine. You know, if if we found out we were sick and a doctor said, well, here's three forms of medicine. I want you to take all three forms of this medicine. It will help you get better. How many of us would say, well, no, I only want two of those prescriptions, <laughs> Pat, uh, doctor. I don't want to take that third prescription. Some people do that, but uh, uh, this is one of those. We receive forgiveness of sins through our baptism, through the word of God, through the Lord's Supper. But we can also receive it through confession and absolution both at the corporate level and at the private level, and we Lutherans just aren't practicing it very much at the private level, and we can. It does bring, you know, I, I still remember some clients that are you know, just burdened by sin, uh, perhaps going to jail because of their sin, and going, how can God forgive me if I've done this? And even before I was a pastor, just realizing you know, Second Samuel 12, where mm. David is convicted of his sin with Bathsheba, and the prophet Nathan tells him, your sins are forgiven. There were still repercussions to his sin, but his sins were forgiven. So.
0: I know as, a, as the time that I spent as a parish pastor that sometimes in our, in our circuit meetings uh, with other fellow pastors that we would engage in uh, private confession and absolution with one another. Right. And um, uh, when you stand up in a liturgical service and you are confessing your sins uh, with everyone around you, um, even though the forgiveness that we receive is, is the same forgiveness stand. that's being pronounced, having someone hear your individual confession, hearing the the specific nature of what burdens you and then having that personal application where you have another brother uh, in Christ announcing that to you. Uh, I know from my own pastoral experience that uh, it's something that I had missed early on in my life and it was quite a blessing for me uh, to be in those, uh, uh, have those opportunities of private confession and absolution but I know that not everybody's had that experience Mm -hmm. Um, can you help people understand what it might be like? Um, I know there might be some, some concerns or fears uh, going into your pastor for, for individual confession and absolution. Right. Can, you, can you talk about that a bit? Yeah.
1: Well, they can even explore in the hymnal. I mean, there's actually a section right there in the hymnal that takes them through individual confession and absolution, which is what the the pastor might actually do. I mean, you don't have to use that, that section out of the hymnal, but you can. Um, And so, you know, getting to see what that is, it's not all that mysterious. It's rather like what we do on Sunday mornings, but there's particularness about it, like Mm -hmm. you said, you know, confessing a particular sin to a particular human being. Um, So, and then just talking to the pastor ahead of time, what will it be like with you? The pastor might say, well, you know, we'll meet in my office or we'll meet up in the chancel and you can do it in in that way. Different Mm -hmm. pastors do it in different ways. yeah, there's no one. There usually will not be in a Lutheran congregation a uh, uh, Catholic little room that you go in and you slide a door back like mm-hmm. you see in the uh, movies and so forth. We don't have confessional booths in <laughs> Lutheran churches, but Lutheran pastors can do it face to face and have been for 500 years.
0: And what about those who would be um, nervous uh, about uh, telling someone else uh, the specific sin, uh, telling a pastor? Right. I mean, that's a sensitive. Uh, The things I don't even want to admit to myself, I I share them with someone else. Um, uh, Can you talk a little bit about the assurance that they have when they go in when it comes to confidentiality and uh, elaborate on that a little bit more? You know,
1: it's ironic that more people feel comfortable maybe going and talking to a professional counselor or psychologist Mm because they believe that that person will keep things confidential or there's even websites now where people can go and confess their sins anonymously on a website because they think that's confidential but pastors in their ordination vows actually make promises never to divulge what it is the sins that are confessed to them so they are supposed to take that to their grave and Mm -hmm. all pastors that i know of take that extremely seriously uh, will not break that confidentiality uh, in even some very extreme circumstances, so even legal circumstances. So they should probably have that conversation, you know, about mm-hmm. uh, with their. um the, there are There sometimes are complications about, you know, I'm thinking about killing myself or something like that, that a pastor might go, I need to get others involved because I won't, don't want you to hurt yourself or hurt somebody else. But uh, uh, for the vast, vast majority of situations that people have sinned and they know they've sinned, and they, they're burdened by, well, what will my pastor think of me? Mm this is what pastors entered the ministry for, was to forgive people their sins, both through their preaching, through their teaching, but very specifically through the sacraments and through individual confession and absolution, and I'm just so pleased that more and more pastors are starting to actively uh, teach about it with their congregations. That's one of the things we emphasize here at the seminary is you can't just go in and uh, up a shingle and say, okay everybody, I'm going to start practicing. You, you come to me for confession and absolution. You have to take the time to teach your parishioners about confession and absolution. And this is one source that I think could be very, very helpful to uh, to teach the pastor about what it
0: is confession mm-hmm. and absolution can be and what it's not. So um, who are the, the multiple audiences uh, for this particular book? Uh, primarily
1: pastors and other church workers that uh, uh, want to know more about it, but lay people that are interested in confession and absolution, uh, my my parents, I gave them a copy since I wrote this introduction, and they said, well, should we buy a copy of this for my for our pastor? And I said, sure, you know, talk to him about it. That might be a good gift that he would, would like to do. Um, so in that sort of thing, if parishioners mm-hmm. would like to gift something like that to their pastor, if they think uh, he would benefit from it.
0: This might also be something, uh, thinking back to my time in ministry, that would have been helpful to discuss at at a Winkle or a pastors' exactly. conference. Even. Right, right. Uh, if someone wanted to do that, uh, how would they uh, get a hold of a copy of this book?
1: Well, it's uh, published through Concordia Seminary Press, so not through Concordia Publishing House anymore, even though it was originally from them. And so Concordia Sem Press, uh, you can get it at sempress at csl.edu, or at the phone number three one four. Five zero five seven one one seven. 7117 It's also being uh, distributed through Amazon and through our own Concordia Bookstore uh, here on campus, Concordia Seminary Bookstore, so if they want to order it through them, they can do that as well. So any number of opportunities to get access to it.
0: All right. Are there any uh, closing thoughts or comments that you'd like to share with our viewers today?
1: Well it's interesting, uh, again, Kayla wrote this in 1982. He actually quotes a 1962 study uh, by a man named Enger, uh, in which they asked pastors, like 400 and some pastors about their practice of, of confession and absolution. And 90% of the pastors in 1962 said we should be doing confession, individual confession and absolution more often. We should be teaching and preaching about it. We should be encouraging its use. That was 90% of the pastors saying that 50 years ago. And I still, when I, when I talk about this, I usually, in a room of, of Lutheran seminarians or pastors, ask, how many of you grew up in a congregation that regularly practiced confession and absolution? I usually get two hands out of any group mm-hmm. of 25 students or pastors, and usually one of those two hands says, well, I grew up Catholic. And so <laughs> that was, so usually about one out of 25 tell me that they grew up in a congregation that regularly practiced, individual publicly practiced individual confession and absolution. So we haven't been as successful in these last 50 years, even though 50 years ago our, par- our parish pastor said we should be doing it more. So I'm, I'm hopeful that if we were to do a study like that 5 or 10 years from now, maybe 90% would still say they still do it more, would still think we should do it more, but maybe... 50% or 80% of our pastors and congregations would actually be saying, yes, you know, we do practice private confession and absolution. We do have 10 or 15 or 50 people that come for that every year. Uh, that would warm my heart to uh, know that a book like this was having that kind of impact. So,
0: well, I want to thank you for uh, being here with us today and for uh, putting together this wonderful resource. Yeah. And I want to thank you for joining us today on Concordia Journal Currents. You can check out this as well as other Concordia Journal Currents at www.concordiatheology.org. Thanks for joining us.